It is a joy to be here with you this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the invitation to me and my family to be with you. We've really enjoyed it. And I'm thrilled that my wife is able to be here. Uh, Daphne, she's been a wonderful wife to me. And uh, she's a wonderful mother to my kids and my grandkids. And I'm just thrilled she could come with me. Also, my daughter, Cheyenne, and her husband, Quade, uh, we're really proud of them. And my grandson, Duke, is here. And uh, he might be the star of the show if you get to meet him. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, we're thankful to be able to spend time with Philip and Andrea. We've enjoyed staying with them and always look forward to that. I believe this congregation's been really good to them and for them. And that means a lot to me. This congregation, really good to Jim Hayes. Jim Hayes is my cousin. And uh, y'all were good to him in a time when he needed. And you really made a difference in his life. And he's doing great work. And that's partly because of you. And the fruit of that work partly goes to you and to your record. And I want to thank you for that. Okay, I wasn't expecting to start out. It was a bad start. Uh, I'm going to do better. If you're here today and you're not a member of the church, we have a study today that's just for the church. And it's not that we want to leave you out, but from time to time, we need to study things as a church. And so we're not trying to leave you out, but this is just one of those occasions. And so... I think it's a challenging topic, but it's the topic of persecution. And I just want to talk to you frankly, honestly, about life and about our nation and about things that make me worried, things that I fear. I don't know if you're aware, but the New Testament is a book that has a lot of persecution in it. Many people were persecuted and suffered. And the Bible is really, it has a lot of that in the pages of the Bible. I'm going to start in Acts chapter 3 today. He says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. What does that mean? Saul made havoc of the church. You know, I begin to think about this topic and doing this sermon, trying to think about a way to make this real for us. I think it just seems like this is part of a narrative and we don't have a feeling of what it was. I want you to just think about if someone, an enemy of Christ, an enemy of the church, decided to make havoc of this church. In my mind, I go, wonder what, what would they do? What could they do? And they might... Key on someone who's maybe known. Maybe Brother Brian stood a, made a stand for godly principles and morality and marriage. Maybe they arrest him. And maybe that's one thing. We go, well, that'd be bad. That'd be terrible. But maybe Brother Sean would go up to defend him and say this is not right. And they take Brother Sean just beat him half to death. You talk about a shock wave. Through the church. And there's enemies of the church today. And there's people in our country. There are people in the government. And there are powers that be that do not want this to be a Christian nation. They do not want people to stand for Christ. And let's just say they went up to the church in Denton and burned it down. And the powers that be went to Gunner and they got a church directory of the congregation at Gunner and they went to every home and they kicked in every door and said, you are not Christians. No more. I'm talking about havoc in the church. Well, you know, the Bible says those who follow Christ will face persecution. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, he says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I've preached on that, and you've heard people 
uh, teach on it, and we go, yep, 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 we're going to have to suffer persecution. I'm talking about where the rubber meets the road. And so part of what I want to do today is talk to you a little bit about our nation because persecution comes and goes. I think that there are times of intense persecution, especially to Christians and Christianity, and over the years, uh, it's probably come and gone. In the book of Acts chapter 12, the Bible says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. What does that mean, to vex? Well, he goes on to say, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So when we talk about persecution coming and going, there have been instances, even in the scriptures, even in the first century church, where they were murdering Christians. They were compelling Christians to no longer be Christians and to say, I'm not a Christian. They were seeking Christians out and they were hunting Christians down to destroy that was a vex. That's what I guess vexing was, and that's the idea. And there are elements of the church, there are elements of our churches that are very public. They know that we meet here. You have a sign. I assume you have a website or on Facebook and all those kinds of things. Your leadership's probably listed there. I want you to just think about it. It wouldn't be very hard. If our government became weaponized against the church and decided they're going to arrest every elder at this church, they do that. You know, there's some evangelists put together the Mended Collective. It wouldn't be very hard to hunt those guys down. Build a scaffold and hang them and video that. And then put that out across the airwaves. I'm talking about people who want to vex the church. And they killed James with the sword. Notice verse 3. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarterings of soldiers to keep him, and in, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You know, the truth is, as long as there's been a United States, we've lived in a bubble of very little persecution. And Mike McCorkle pointed this out to me. We've been so blessed to live in this bubble of freedom and no persecution and we live in a country that was founded on Christian ideals and Christian principles and our laws and our rules and all those kinds of things are based on that and we now are entering into a different time a time when our nation has changed and ideals in our nation are changing our government is changing I want to show you some things. I've just taken a screenshot. Uh, this is a screenshot of a Gallup poll. And this was uh, last year in June. And it said that belief in God in the United States dips to a, a new low, 81%. And so they do these polls and they ask people, do you believe in God? Are you religious? And we have about 20% of the people in our nation are no longer religious at all. And it's an all-time low, and it appears that it's probably going to trend that way. Uh, here's another one from the Pew Research Center. It says, modeling the future of religion in America. If recent trends in religious switching continue, Christians could make up less than half of the United States population within a few decades. And this nation that was founded on Christian principles... Christian ideals is becoming no longer a Christian nation. And just as the Christians in the first century didn't stand for Roman ideals and Roman principles, that angers people in government and people with power. And there are people today that don't want to hear about your beliefs. They don't want to hear about your morals and your Christian principles. And in fact, it's come to be that people want freedom from religion rather than freedom of religion. <clears throat> Do you know some people who don't believe in God are not hostile 
towards the church. Some people just don't care. Other people are hostile. So I want to talk to you about dealing with persecution. And initially, I want to talk to you about dealing with what we might call light persecution. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, he says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. We have an example of dealing with what I would call light persecution. People say ugly things to you or call you names or maybe it's something even more than that. We need to be like Jesus was and we need to be good. We need to be nice. We need to be Christians. We need to behave. We certainly don't need to go into a Facebook war or a social media war with someone. We, we need to be good because there are going to be people who just don't like what we stand for, and that's okay. And maybe they're going to say ugly things to us. I don't know. Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, he says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil. Overcome evil with good. Well, we're Christians. We have a responsibility to behave in a Christian manner. We have a responsibility to be ambassadors for Christ. And if we're reviled, we don't need to answer with revile. If we're reviled, we need to be kind. If we're spit upon, then we need to bear that patiently. And we need to stand as a good soldier of Christ. That doesn't mean run and flee. That doesn't mean give up on Christianity. That means we need to bear those things kindly and responsibly. I think the first time anyone ever said something to me that really was negative about my being a Christian, uh, me and Merle Fielder were putting flyers about a gospel meeting on every car in the Walmart parking lot. And this fella come up holding my, the flyer and he said, You Campbellite. And I said, I'm, I'm not a Campbellite. What are you talking about? He said, Don't put this on my car. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, give it back. Whatever. Well, he didn't, he didn't like it. And I, I wasn't trying to make him mad. I, I'm sorry. And so part of the idea is, is walk away and, and be nice and don't say anything because somebody may just get in your face because you don't agree with their lifestyle. But we need to be nice. Be good. Be forgiving. Be kind. That's what our Lord did. That's what we should do. Now I want to talk to you about dealing with the serious stuff. Because I have a fear it's coming. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But it's my fear. This is a list of church shootings since 1999. And these are Christian church shootings. kind of amazing. Now, I know there's lots of guns in our country and there's, there's shootings. There's all this, always shootings on the news. Uh, this one, does this thing got a, yeah, okay. Uh, 19 West Freeway Church of Christ. I got cousins that go to church there. I mean, there was people shot dead. And how do you deal with that? Brethren, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. I mean, at Wheeler, we lock our doors, and I hate it. I'm going to tell you, I hate it. We lock our doors, and, and if somebody comes in to shoot up the church, I, I pray and hope that never happens. It'll be awful. Well, what can we do to prevent that? I don't know. Because Christianity, we're designed to have fellowship and be together and, and praise God and that's just part of it. 
So I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for this. But I want to tell you something. Ideology has changed in the United States. For instance, California court ruled last year that a bumblebee is a fish under environmental law. Well, I'm going to tell you something. A bumblebee is not a fish. I may be an old country boy, and I didn't finish college, but I know the difference, and you do too. Every child here knows this is not about bumblebees or fish, is it? It's about changing the rules. That's what this is about. It's about changing a standard in a nation of how we view things. This is way, way bigger than face value. Our country is changing, and it's being pushed by people who are not Christians. There was a transgender swimmer named Aaliyah Thompson nominated for the NCAA Woman of the Year Award. She's not a woman. She's a man. My friends, we have a man being put up for Woman of the Year. Now, I'm, in my generation, you'd have took a beating rather than be put up for Woman of the Year. Things have changed. And it's popular right now. It's popular. People are told they're brave for coming out as transgender and, and it's taught to our children and all those kinds of things. You have, you've seen this. Unless you just have your head in the sand, you're seeing it. We're living it. I watched a video, and I'm, I'm not going to play the video, but I want to put up a transcript of the video. We had a senator in a hearing in Washington, D.C., and this is what he said. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? That's a question. I want to tell you, this is a pretty standard question. Who can be pregnant? Are you talking about women? I want to tell you, everyone in America can go, yes. Everyone of any intellect, we all understand the birds and the bees of this situation. I want you to notice, this was from Senator Joss Hawley, and he asked a, a lawyer uh, Kiara Bridges, and this was her response. I want to recognize that your line of questioning is transphobic and it opens up trans people to violence. To say that women are the ones who can be pregnant is, is violent? That, that's crazy. But that's where we're at. And there are people in our country that want to push this narrative. And if you speak against the trans community, you're in promoting violence. If you say that people shouldn't be married, men shouldn't marry men, and women shouldn't marry women, you're promoting violence. And it's a way to mold the church and mold moral people and mold Christian people in a negative view and ultimately make them enemies. Make them dangerous. You violent people. You know what? We really got a problem. We don't even believe women can be preachers. We don't. And you can only imagine how people are going to view the Church of Christ here. A couple other news articles. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, put together a bill so that parents would have rights over their children in education. Excuse me? I thought we had that. I thought we had a right to teach our children what we want to teach them. But now we got a governor trying to put up a bill saying this is the law. You know why it wasn't already a bill? Because it's given. It's given. But those rights are being taken away. How would you feel about schools teaching your children or your child non-binary gender diversity in kindergarten? How would you feel about schools teaching your child sex education in grades K through 3 with an emphasis on LGBT? How would you feel about that? My friend, that's happening. It's happening. 
I want to show you, I did a little research and I found this. This is from Pitt Journal. Uh, and here's the article if you want to take a look at this. Uh, I didn't make it up. Pitt Journal is a resource for educators and they basically are trying to set standards for educators to follow in teaching the children. Now, don't you notice sex education in public school. These guidelines require, require sex education to start at the least by second grade preferring starting in kindergarten kindergarten and continuing through the end of high school. Why in the world do you need to teach kindergartners sex education? You don't. But it's being promoted. It's happening. Now I just got to say, I will say it publicly, all the homeschoolers, I need to apologize to all of you because back in the 90s I thought you were crazy. You're right. And if your kids are in public school, you need to be hyper-vigilant. Now, all my kids went through public school. Now, we live in a tiny little town, a tiny little school. It doesn't matter. All these things are creeping in. Folks, our country has changed. It's changing. It's changing radically. Most every job... I did that again. Most every job is going to require continued education and diversity training. That's coming if it's not already here. I know Philip's in the school system, and he's, he's got a lot of it. Uh, if they put you on a podcast, Philip, I hope they don't hunt you down and arrest you too. I shouldn't have said your name. <clears throat> How can we endure persecution? Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 19. I think we've got the idea here. Acts 19, and we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul and the situation he got into where he's persecuted. And there's some applications from this. And so if you want to get out to your New Testament... Well, these have the, the verses on the screen. Acts 19, verse 24. A certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Dinah, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, you know, by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. Paul really stirred these folks up. And so the situation is that Demetrius was a silversmith and he made idols, little statues of a false god they called Dinah. And so he's really got this man aggravated because he's telling everybody there ain't but one god and she ain't it. And so here's the situation. The Apostle Paul is standing for truth. He's teaching truth. He's proclaiming the truth. And it's getting to people that are power. These businessmen are getting angry. 27. So that not only this our craft is in danger to be said it not, but also that the temple of the great goddess Dinah should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. Paul preaching. He's getting after it. So much so that people are walking away from the belief in this false god. And they were closing down the temples and they, they weren't selling their little silver trinkets anymore. And they were angry. They were mad. <clears throat> okay, Acts 20 now, verse 1 to 3. After the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go to Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, as he was about to sail to Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. What, what is going on? Paul, he's not only got the idol worshipers all stirred up that worship this false god, Dinah. Now he's got the Jews trying to catch him. And what does it mean to lay wait? It means to hide out, to capture, to hide out, to harm. That's what these people were doing. Now verse, uh, let's continue on, Acts 20, verse 7. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to part on the morrow, and he continued his speech until midnight. So Paul, if we go back, he goes a different way. And this kind of goes into what I was talking about. He didn't hide as a Christian. He didn't go underground but he didn't do something foolish and go right in to those people. He went a different direction. He went a different path. Now Acts 20 verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know 
from the first day that I came to Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine. Now listen carefully with many tears and temptations, which befell me with the lying in wait of the Jews. Boy, they made his life hard. They're trying to arrest him. They're trying to capture him. He's going around trying to do church work. So instead of just freely going down the road, he's having to go a different way. He's having to be real careful when he gets out and walks up to the church building or walks into someone's home. They are laying wait. He's given him a lot of temptations and trials. That's the nature of what he's describing here. And I think many times we read over these passages in Scripture and we read about that and go, yep, yep, that was, that was bad. But this is real life. This is happening. This is happening to a man that would have been our friend, our brother in Christ, who we'd have looked up to. 20 to 23. He says, How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Did he go underground? No. He's tempted and he's persecuted and he's harassed. Did he quit being a Christian? I want to tell you something. If you felt like I was going to come here today and say, here's how you deal with persecution. Shut down the church and uh, close up the doors. Shut down your podcast. No. That's not the way to deal. That's not how Paul dealt with it. That's not how our Lord dealt with it. He kept preaching. And he kept teaching. And he kept standing for the truth. Verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, I behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me. Bonds and afflictions. You know, there was a prophet named Agabus who had prophesied that there would be a drought and a famine. That came true. And this same prophet prophesied that Paul is going to go to Jerusalem a, a prisoner. It came past. And so the Holy Spirit had been letting Paul know this is going to happen. This is going to be bad. Now verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I want you to let that soak in. I want you to digest that passage for just a minute. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. Now verses 25, and now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Do you want to hear the counsel of God today? Yes? No? Paul said... None of these things move me. I want to ask you a question. Do things move you? Can I just be honest? COVID moved me. COVID-19. Now, if you had come to me in, in the year 2019 and said, Sean, the church at Wheeler won't even meet for three Sundays, I'd say, you're nuts. You're completely out of your mind. That happened. It happened. And it, it almost feels embarrassing. Now, we didn't have church. Three Sundays. Do you know what I saw on the news one day? I saw on the news it said, wash your hands every 15 minutes to stay safe from COVID. Man, I'm tell I washed, I washed. My hands were cracked and dry and man, they were clean. I saw on the news one day in Dallas-Fort Worth it said 700,000 people are going to die. You know what I thought? There ain't enough cemeteries. 
Where are you in trouble? Thank goodness I'm living up in Wheeler County on a cow ranch because you folks are in deep trouble. And so there's all this news and we go to the authorities and we say, can we have church? Can we not have church? What should we do? And they go, we don't know. And there's just misinformation. And so we didn't have church. This was March of 2020, okay? Guess how many COVID cases we had in Wheeler County? Zero. The first case of COVID that we had in Wheeler County was September. We shut down the church when there weren't anybody sick in our county. Guess what the maximum number of sick people was in our county? 81. 81 people. Now, we look back on that and we go, yeah, well, that was bad or we should have done this or we should have done that. I want to tell you something. That was hard. That was a hard situation. It was hard on our church. It was hard on our elders. And it moved us. And I want to tell you something. If COVID flares up again and the government comes out and says don't have church, you know what our guys are going to do? No, sir. We're going to do what we want to do. We're not doing it again. Not again, no. Not again. I've been blessed to travel to a lot of congregations and work with a lot of congregations. I've not been to not one. And it goes like this every time. How y'all doing? How's everything since we got past COVID? Every single church, well, we got one family that's not come back. We got one. Not come back to church. Some two or three. I know a number of church or class that closed their doors during COVID because of COVID. I don't think they're coming back. Now I ask you something. Has it moved you? Do you know we had brethren angry at one another over masks and vaccines? I'm talking about angry. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not here to make a statement on whether you ought to wear a mask or not mask or vaccine or not vaccine. I'm, I don't care. Do what you feel like you need to do. I went to a member of the church's house Knocked on the door. I said, hey, I'm in town holding a meeting. And this person looked at me and said, if they loved me, they'd wear a mask. And I said, that's not fair to say that. To put whether or not the congregation loves you on this one thing, that's not fair. I want COVID move this person. And if a disease that come along moved the church, what do you think is going to happen when somebody gets beat half to death, what do you think it's going to be like if they burn down some churches, arrest some church leaders? Folks, it's going to get real in a hurry. Now, I want to talk to you with how can we endure that. How do you endure that? Paul said, none of these things move me. How could that be? You know, we are so spoiled. He went through trial, he went through shipwreck. He got stoned. Uh, Acts 14, they stoned him. And they drug him out of town. They laid him on the side of the road. Here a minute, he woke up. Guess what he went? He went and held another meeting. That's not letting it move you. I'm going to just be honest with you. If y'all beat me up and tear my clothes off of me, when I get back to Wheeler County, I'm going to say, don't go down there. They're crazy. You think about it, the reality of it. What's Paul saying? I will not allow anything to change my dedication or my service to God. That's what he's saying. It's not going to move me. They beat me up, it's not going to move me. If they arrest me, it's not going to change my dedication. That's what he's saying. And I think we've got to be like that. How can you be like Paul? He said, I do not count my life dear to myself. How do we do that? I'm going to tell you, brethren, I think we've got to look through spiritual eyes. And we talked about this last night. We can't look through flesh or we can't do it. We've got to look at life through spiritual eyes. I don't count my life dear to myself. Why? There's something greater at play here than my life. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, If you then were raised with Christ... 
Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. How do we do that? We've got to look at things spiritually. Jesus paid a price for me. Jesus bought you with His blood. He bought you. And if you've gone down in this water and confessed the name of Jesus and come up, you belong to Him. Yeah. Your life is His. Your body His. Your soul is His. We've got to look at life through spiritual eyes. And the apostle said, none of these things move me. I don't count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. With joy. Now you think about all the things Paul went through. That's a pretty bold statement. All those trials and all those people laying in wait for him and attacks and being stoned and shipwrecked. And he says, I just want to finish my race with joy. How many years do you have left? How many years? I don't know. I'm, I'm 50, 51. I'm nearly 52. Let, give me a second. I think I'm nearly 52. Do I got 30 years? Maybe. 40? Maybe. 20? I want to finish the race with joy. I want to get to the end a Christian, see? Because this world's not my home. I want to go to heaven if the road gets rough and it may get rough. I want to not count my life dear to myself. If the road gets rough, I don't want to let these things move me. I want to stay the course. I'm a Christian. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And you've got to look at it the same way. Matthew chapter 24. I want you to read with me the words of Jesus in verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Now just stop right there. Who is he talking to? The disciples. He's talking to you. Are you a disciple? He's talking to you. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. Many who? Many disciples. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. He's talking about Christians. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus said they're going to hate you and they're going to kill you. Are you ready for that? I want you to think about it. I want you to think about someone coming to your home and dragging you out. Out in the yard. And attacking you because you're a Christian. And they start to punch you and kick you. And I don't know about you, but I think for me a, a wave of heat would flash through my body. And fear. And I would think this is, this is happening. And defend yourself against the blows and feel the sweat and the blood in your teeth. And they grab you and they're choking you and they're shaking you. And you know what they're saying? Deny the Lord. Deny. You want the worst thing you can ever hear pass from your lips? We're not Christians. My family. We're not Christians. And they pull out a gun and they blow your brains out. Because people that are willing to do that are willing to do that. 
And then you meet the Lord and you say, this world was my home. I want to finish the race with joy. Hebrews 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to finish the race with joy, you see. And so maybe it will be that we take a beating. Maybe it will be that they drag you out and beat you. Get up and count it joy. Go embrace your brother. Dress his wounds. Consider it a privilege that you were worthy to suffer persecution. Jesus said it would happen. I'll tell you, there's something greater here. Just, just bear with me. There's something greater at here. Not only do I want to finish my race with joy, but the ministry which I received of the Lord. Do you have a duty? Do you have a ministry that Jesus has given you? If you're an elder here today, please stand up. You elders, stand up. These guys have been given a ministry, a responsibility. All right, you can sit down. If you're a deacon here, stand up. You deacons. Yeah. These guys have got a ministry. Thank you. You can sit down. I appreciate it. Every person here that's named the name of Christ has a ministry and a responsibility, and we need to send you that ministry, even if the times are hard, even if there's haters and there's people who want to destroy. We need to go out and preach the word. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in Acts chapter 8, when Saul was making havoc of the church, the Bible says the Christians went everywhere preaching the word. And the church grew. Even in times of persecution, we have a ministry. And let's finish that race with joy. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. We got a role to play, and it matters. It matters. What do you think is going to happen if you got news that all the elders at the church at Norman resigned? How do you think it would affect the brotherhood if we got word that all the congregation at College Park just disbanded, said no more? You talk about shockwaves. Shockwaves. But if we stand with the Lord and we suffer with the Lord and we leave an example of faith, what do he say? That you should follow in his steps. Yeah. And take the persecutions with joy. How can you endure persecution? You totally commit yourself to God. That's what you do. Totally commit. Because it's going to take faith. It's going to take eyes of spirit to endure that. Jesus lived faithfully and Paul continued his ministry faithfully. You as an individual, as a family, as a church, need to totally commit to God, to serve God. Totally. You need to go to work. If your faith is weak, you need to go to work, my friend. And you need to turn the pages of your Bible till your fingers bleed. Build up your faith and lead on one another. And prepare yourself for the hard days that are coming because the Lord said they're coming. How you handle persecution matters. Romans 12, verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. It's not going to be that long till you're going to have somebody come and stand here and go, yeah, they beat me. They took my car and they burned my house down. And guess what? I'm still a Christian. That matters. That's going to affect people. And that influence is important. I want you to rejoice in tribulation. Be patient in those things. Hebrews 10 
36, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. I want to tell you what, folks. We got a family that quit our church for COVID. And God's going to have no pleasure in that. How many families will quit if the church is persecuted? I want to tell you, the Lord will have no pleasure in that. You know what the Lord will have pleasure in? Christians who bear it with joy. Christians who faithfully soldier on who faithfully continue to teach and preach the word, who faithfully come here and worship and praise God. That will give the Lord joy. How you respond to persecution affects everyone in your family and how they respond to persecution. How your family responds to persecution affects how everyone in your congregation responds to that persecution. How your congregation responds to the persecution affects how the entire brotherhood responds to persecution. I want to tell you, if we have three or four congregations fall and surrender and give up, it'll be terrible. It'll be brutal. But if we have congregations that bear up, if Denton gets burnt down, and the next week they go, here's where we're meeting, we're going to build a new building, we're going to keep going. What a joy. What an example of faith. This world... Is not my home. This flesh is not what it's all about. I'm a spirit. And I got a home in heaven. No matter what you do to this flesh. I'm going to serve the Lord with spirit. I want you to notice the apostle. This persecutor of the church. This Saul of Tarsus, I want you to know he met the Lord on the road. He heard the word of God that changed his life. And this man who persecuted the church, he preached the name of Jesus. He built the church. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. That's what he said. Use me up. Burn me up. Wear me out. That's what he said. Though the more abundantly I love you, and less I be loved. I want you to notice the next passage. First uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to know something. I want you to think about this. If you're persecuted, how, how much strength will God give you in that hour? Who knows? Will God be there? Yes, absolutely. Does he know what's going on? Certainly. Will he provide you? He has provided for me every day of my life, and you too. He provides our needs. And if you're being beaten, he will provide. If you're being chased and tormented, he'll provide. That's what the Lord does. St. Corinthians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comforts, who comfort us in all our tribulation. Why does God comfort us in tribulation? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 2 Thessalonians 1 4. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience of faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that we endure. I tell you that the early church knew that there were other churches and other Christians being persecuted and they gloried in that. Show me your faith. Stand firm for the Lord. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed. Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ. Happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. 
On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. He goes on to say in verse 16, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. We can endure these things with joy. Now I want to close up Romans, <coughs> excuse me, Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I want you to look at the question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Notice the first answer. Tribulation? Nope. Distress? No way. Persecution? No. Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? We go on and on. Tribulation is not going to separate us from the love of Christ. Burning down the church won't either. Arresting you will not separate you from the love of Christ. We've got to soldier on. Remain faithful. Be faithful to the end. Do it with joy. And the church will be blessed. The barbarians are at the gate. I don't know if you know it. They're at the gate. There are people who want to destroy Christianity in the church. And they have a battering ram prepared and they bash at the gates day by day. And if they fail to break you down today, they will regroup tomorrow and they will attack yet again. Just like a wave crashing onto the shore. The enemies of the church have crashed against the church and have bashed the church, have attacked the church since its beginning. 2,000 years. And the church still stands. And if they attack the church again and again and again, the church will stand. If they attack every church in the world, the church will stand. Do you see? If we can help you today to stand for truth, if you feel like your faith is not what it should be, Get help. Ask for help. There are people here who will help you. I want to ask you to arise. Stand for the Lord as we sing. God.